What's up, everyone, and welcome to Through the Veil podcast. I'm your host, Alex Nelson, and in this episode, episode number five, we dig in with Natalie Zeises, who is a super badass eating psychology coach specifically geared towards women. In this episode, we go through a ton of things that I really had no knowledge about and I thought were super, super interesting. I certainly learned a lot from this one, so I hope you do as well. If you enjoy this episode, please hit that subscribe button, uh, whether you're here on YouTube or watching this on iTunes, um, and also give me a five-star rating if you enjoy the episode. So without any further ado, let's just dig right into the episode. Cool. Well, yeah, I just wanted to get you on here and kind of ask a little bit about your area expertise. I've seen a lot on your Instagram that you've been posting about just, you know, health, wellness, food specifically, which is mm-hmm. super interesting to me. So I guess if you had to encapsulate what you do in a few words or mm-hmm. sentences, how would you summarize that? So I'm eating psychology coach and I specialize in helping women who have binge and emotional eating issues and feel really uncomfortable in their bodies and in their relationship to food. They've been off and on diet cycles their whole life, and they're just really, really looking for something to stick so they can stop feeling like they're falling off the wagon and diet starts tomorrow and just really live like an easy, peaceful relationship to food and feel really good and comfortable and happy in their bodies every day. Okay. So that's awesome. I dig that. Do you, uh, so you do some coaching, counseling, et cetera, and kind of work directly one-on-one or do you develop like programs for people to kind of go through? So I have both. I have one-on-one clients that I work with right now for a minimum of six months. Um, And that's really awesome because we get to kind of deep dive into each Mm. other's lives and I mean, obviously mostly their life. Um, But I pull a lot from personal experience because obviously I coach about this because I've been there and I've been through it. Um, And I'm an open book with them. But um, then I have my group program, Break Up With Binging that I'm just finishing up a round right now and next round is starting in September and that's about six weeks long and that's super fun too. I actually think I'm going to move in the direction of doing more group work for this stuff than one-on-one because it's so healing to be around other women sharing their stories and their wounds and their healing through food because it's something that we usually carry a lot of shame around and we don't talk about a lot in our communities like we don't talk about it to our friends we're worried they're going to judge us with our family with our partners so to have a space where you can be like so real and raw and honest about what you're going through is really really relaxing for women and that's a huge part of healing with food which we can totally talk about later is like your your relaxation with it So I love seeing them connect with each other and create friendships. And I know personally retreats I've been on or group programs I've been in, I become really good friends with some of the women. And even if I don't meet them in person or I I meet them once or I don't meet them for two years, like we FaceTime, we WhatsApp, we text. And I feel like I have this wonderful support system around Mm -hmm. really um, otherwise shameful thing that other people not might not get so it's really really fun to run the groups and there's always one-on-one elements in the group um through voxer which is like a voice noting app sure. or, um you know their deep dive 90 minute call that everyone gets but i think it's a really nice mix i like doing yeah. 
that's awesome i think the the power of having a group is just understated because a it gives you it takes a little pressure off of you as the coach to not just be the end all be all and then b it builds this community of people who are trying to improve because as has been repeated way too many times the people you surround yourself with is who you become so it's like if you can build a community for these people for these women who are struggling but then they have other people around them who are struggling also then they can start to build up together and then have that built-in framework to kind of later on build off of further um so i think that's super cool yeah and it's really um powerful to see that like you're not alone and your you know our issues with food binging is the number one um food related issue in the country Mm -hmm. eating disorder if you want to qualify it as that in the country and so to realize that it's not you like you are not the issue there's nothing wrong with you you're not broken um we're all experiencing food issues collectively i don't know any woman that doesn't have some tendency to emotionally or overindulge or you know whatever it like there is a real issue with how we're relating to ourselves and our feminine energy and all of this stuff so it's really not necessarily even a food issue it's um it's a bigger bigger thing so it's really to get everyone to be like oh this is not like i'm not broken you do that too holy shit yeah so um yeah that's another thing that i love about doing i dig it it reminds me of i had uh some of my friends over and we were just like i don't remember how we got on the topic but we were talking about like oh yeah like I think I brought it up first and I was like, yeah, I got like a bag of fucking McDonald's in my car. It's kind of gross. And then every single one of them was like, dude, I have that too. And it was just sort of this moment of like, oh, okay. That's not just me and my fucking, whatever you want to call it. Shameful. Yeah. There's nothing special about us. You know, there's nothing special about you. Like, like there is, but in terms of our problems, there's not. Yeah, no, so common. Any problem that anyone has, other people have. So it's important, really important to recognize that. Oops, first. Yeah, I think it's a, it's just so funny to me because it's just like you think people do it so shamefully and I think that's what becomes a, that's what becomes such a negative aspect of it is really the shame surrounding it. And you tell me what you think on this because you're the expert on it. But what I see is just like the shame of it where you just let, you know, okay, I'm going to eat it in my car by myself because I don't want anyone else to see me do this. And then I'm going to just, hide it away and pretend it didn't happen i just think that that's been the harmful part for myself where it's instead of just acknowledging and going hey fuck it we're gonna have a cheat day today yeah this is the day well in terms of like vibration shame is like the lowest right like mm-hmm. um in terms of like your body responding to to like stress shame can cause real like dis-ease in yeah. the body so because it's this it's this intensely stressful feeling but feeling connected, feeling safe, feeling, um, feeling safe is really what we all are like looking for, right? Like safety is our number one as human beings. Like we have a really big part of our brain that's primal and that is looking to feel safe. And so it's hierarchy. It's the first yeah. one. So if food is like this thing where on one hand it's causing you to feel safe because you're craving it and it's this pleasure and this joy mm-hmm. for you. But on the other hand, it's making you feel really ashamed and making you feel like your body is wrong and that you can't, um, you know, you can't just like live 
relaxedly around food, that's causing you immense stress. So then food becomes this stressful trigger for you and we can't get away from food. I mean, right. you have to eat like typically three times a day, but some people too, some people five, you know, it depends. Um, so that means that every time you're, you're, you're living, you're thinking about food in some yeah. way or other, um, which tends to be really, really like people who have um, binge eating issues, they tend to think about food all day long. Right. So if your body is being kickstarted into this stress response all day long, the, the repercussions are not just about food, right? Like you're extremely stressed, you're anxious, you don't feel like doing anything fun. Like you don't right. feel like, you know, even getting dressed in the morning becomes a really stressful experience or going to any kind of event, right. um, going to the beach in the summer, you know, going, if you're single, going out on dates is like a terrible thing because you're not feeling comfortable, you're not feeling relaxed. Yeah. Um, or sexy in your body. So how how are you expected to sit in front of someone else and feel comfortable and excited about what's to happen? So it really is like a dimmer on dimmer switch on your life. Right, makes total sense. I think it's it's like you're triggering a negative habit loop, but the trigger for the habit loop is something you have to do. So mm -hmm. it's constantly triggering, and you can't get away from it. It's not like it's not like the trigger is seeing your parents and you only have yeah. to see them once a year. And it's not a big deal. It's the trigger is food and you yeah. have to, have, you're always around food. So, and you know, there's obviously two ways to think about it. Like if you do the work, that's incredible. Look how much, look how much better your life can get because it's so ever present, omnipresent, like food. Yeah. Um, so for me, it's like, yeah, repairing my relationship with my mom would be really nice, but like repairing my relationship with food, like, right that's fucking epic. That changes my experience of life every single day. Yeah. Um, and there was something else you said that I wanted to, to jump off of, but I totally forgot what it was, but I don't remember. <laughs> no worries. I think it's, it's a good point that because it's so omnipresent, it is like, it's one of the keystone habits. I mean, I think food and diet, sleep and physical fitness exercise in some way are basically the three. If I could plug in someone and just say, only get these three things right yeah. and yeah. they all they all interact with each other i yeah. was reading a study the other day about how if you're underslept it's some some ridiculous number like you're 70 percent more likely to make poor food choices and then they feed yeah. into each other you make a poor choice then you sleep less get poor quality sleep so it's you know. all um you know your hormones your hormones are the traffic signals in your body and so if leptin and ghrelin, which is like your your um, satiety and your hunger hormones, are really affected by sleep and you know your melatonin and your cortisol, like all these hormones really interact with each other, and that's why diets, you know, that's one of the reasons why diets don't work, right? Because right. it's really this superficial level going on. It has nothing to do with changing strictly changing your diet has nothing to do with changing. Your triggering, changing your emotional relationship, your psychological relationship, it only can make it more stressful. Yeah. Why so many people, I mean, 99% of people who go on diets, like it doesn't quote unquote work for them. And what does even work? What does work right. mean, right? Like I have a lot of clients that come to me and they're like, I just don't want to feel crazy around food or I just want to feel okay. I don't want to hate my body anymore. Right. And I'm like, okay, but what about loving food? What about yeah. loving your body, right? Exactly. We're so scared to put these like bigger goals, like these like, we're so scared to want more out of life because we don't even think it's possible. Right. So many people have experienced so many failures that they kind of just 
it's they like, it's it out. Really heartbreaking. I, I, I can't like, I can't tell you how often my initial calls are like, I want to ask you to reach for more than just not yeah. hating your body or not feeling crazy around food. And, mm-hmm. and just seeing them be like, well, I don't think that's possible for me. And I'm like, oh my gosh, you have so, you have so much, so much possibility in this world when it comes to food. It's about getting out of that diet culture yep. um, and working with someone who I like, I actually just went on a rant about this yesterday on my yep. Instagram that like, I don't care if it's with me or another coach, but when, if you work with someone on like weight loss or binge eating or whatever it is, just please, please, please don't work with someone who's only coming at it from a food perspective, like from right. like MD or nutritionist or health coach, who's just going to try and manipulate your diet because you're going to come out with an even worse relationship with yourself and right. food and life. So making sure, and also on the same note, I know I have a lot of women that come to me who try and get help from their right, like their quote unquote regular therapist, like their everyday therapist. Yeah. And the therapist will say things to them like, well, let's just make a plan for your food and let's just like, just think about it less. Or they'll like right. they'll give advice that actually makes you feel really shitty and really like not helpful. And so just make sure that whoever you're coming to for advice, whether that's with anything in life, like business, food or whatever, has the life that you want with that thing. So a lot of healthcare professionals don't actually have a great relationship with food. A lot of nutritionists and health coaches don't have a great relationship with food behind closed doors. And they're just trying to get more control. And so they're trying to pass on this greater amount of control to their clients. Um, And that's just really not the case. So I always caution people, make sure you do your due diligence, ask a lot of questions. Um, And also I think that's what's great about social media is if you follow a coach or a practitioner there and they share a lot of their life with you, yeah. you can really get a sense of like, okay, are they living the life I want in their bodies and with food? Like, are they feeling really free and energized and happy? And, you know, I think you don't have to be someone who wants to show up on um, social media, like in a bikini or like really vulnerably. Right? right. But I think that you, I think that there's something to be said about, hiring like working with someone who feels comfortable doing those things because they're clearly not in any kind of self-judgment or shame or um you know like like i think it really shows that they're in a place um obviously you you can't tell everything from a picture right but i think it's really helpful to be able to see someone not necessarily super polished all the time and you'll see on my instagram i'm really really like I don't plan anything. Like my friends are like, do you write what you're going to say? Uh, I start writing. It's insanely spontaneous. It's insanely off the cuff. Um, I used to have really bad vulnerability hangovers afterwards. I'd be like, oh my God, what are my brothers going to think? I can't believe I just said that. Yeah. Like there were so many people that I would think about in my life who are like close to me, like my brother or sisters-in-law, my friends, my family, who I'd be like, fuck, 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 what are they going to think, right? But I just kept bringing it back to my ideal client and who she is and what she's going through and how I don't give a fuck what those people think of me. I care about being the woman that is really uncomfortable every single day in food and in their body and wanting them to know that it's possible not to be there. And honestly, to know that I can help them with that because I think when you really believe in the work that you do, it's not self-promotion. It's selflessness. Like I want you to work with me because I want you to live. Let me help as many people as I can. Yeah. And it's like, at the end of the day, that's my point of showing up every day is Mm -hmm. like, 
let's get your shit under control. Like let's yeah. get your life to be as good as you deserve it to be. And like cut the bullshit. Stop putting your fucking house renovations and your kids camp mm-hmm. and your eyelash extensions in front of doing this work. And it yeah, breaks exactly. my heart. So many women putting other things in front of this work because they don't realize how powerful it can be. There's a lot mm-hmm. of like self-sabotage and a lot of, I just don't think it's going to work for quote unquote me. Um, and I just like the more that I can tell women, like, it's not about you, like anyone can do this work. It's just right. about the commitment you have to doing it. Yeah. And it, I'll touch on a couple of things you said there. I think the, uh, important thing that you expressed when you're choosing a coach is that vulnerability. Cause I, the thing I always look for in anyone who does any type of coaching is do they have posts on whatever their social media is that include their failures? If they don't run as fast as you can away because they're so in their ego that they think they don't have any failures, which is a huge problem or they're trying to just cover it up. And it really is the vulnerability that gets through to people. And I think the more you start to post vulnerably, the more you see a positive response from it almost. And it starts to get your brain to the mode of like, oh, wait, when I open up, other people are like this too. Yeah. Oh, okay. It's just kind of that weight off the shoulders of like, it's not just me. Definitely. And I think every coach should have a coach. Yeah. I, I will not work with a coach who doesn't have a coach because mm-hmm. it just shows that you're always willing to grow and learn. Mm-hmm. And you need someone to help you with your shit. We all need someone to help us right. with our stuff. And I am always looking to learn from others and it adds to my practice. So like I'm working with an energy coach right now, which is so fascinating, learning how to work with my own energy and, mm-hmm. and like whether it's get myself into like more of the feminine energy or move myself into more of a high energy state, whatever it is. Um, and then I can pass that on to my clients, which is super cool. Yeah. I think it's a, uh even if it's just a person that you have, that you work with, that you kind of have the time to talk to. Like I'm very much of the opinion that people have a lot of half formed ideas in their head and they're not really real ideas until you talk them through with someone. So even if it's just that for a lot of people where you get the chance to talk through it mm-hmm. and then they can point out flaws in your arguments, they can point out flaws in your thinking where they go, why that doesn't make sense. That doesn't follow the thing you just said two minutes ago. It, for me personally, that's been a huge part of coaching has been getting those people to bounce stuff off of and getting a chance to really talk openly about some of these deeper ideas that I think are fundamental to what I think and getting them challenged and getting them sometimes absolutely destroyed. Like, nope, yeah. that doesn't make sense. So coaching is a beautiful thing. It's definitely something I recommend to anyone, even if it's, you know, start small, find the person you can afford and work with and work with them first and just there's a lot of value in having an outside perspective on your life and then work your way up to the experts. But interesting. Yeah. Yeah. And I've been in therapy since I was like 10 years old. And I have to say, like, I love, I've loved some of my therapists. I've, I've seen like a lot of different ones because I'm, I'm someone who like doesn't settle for like feeling. And I'm like, okay, I want someone who like, I feel really good with, Um, but nothing changed my life as much as working with a coach. It really did. Age 10 to, my first coach was, I think, when I was 26. Um, that was a huge turning point for me. And I, and I, I think therapy is great, but I don't think it's great for necessarily 
changing acute issues in your life. I think it's nice, like you said, to have someone to talk to and, and we need a space where we feel really, really comfortable and open. However, looking back, I'm like, um, I probably would have benefited from hiring a coach earlier on. Totally. And um, luckily, I do feel like I have women in my life who are like my therapist, quote unquote therapist, even mm-hmm. though they're not trained. I think I pick my friends. <laughs> really, there are a lot of people that I can go to and get um, and just like talk, right? Yes. Uh, but to have someone who understands the exact issue that you're dealing with, neuro, like neuroscientifically, emotionally, right. behaviorally, and can really help you change your life if you have something you want to change. Yeah. I think it's one thing to be like, you know, I just need so I need someone to vent to and I need yeah. someone to be like vulnerable to. And there's a total other thing where like this isn't working for me and I want to get out of this stage. Right. I think a coach is vital and a good coach. And I know if I actually have a totally different opinion than you of like starting yeah. small. I think if you really want to change something, put your money where your mouth is. Like hire Definitely. someone it's worth it because you actually like, you will make more money. If you're a happier person, you will, yeah. you will make back your investment. If you don't have this bullshit going on in your head all the time about like, I know so many women who have dealt with their food issues and then gone on to get like raises really quickly because yeah. they're showing up for their self worth so much more. So I, I, I see what you're saying. And I think there's, there's a lot of free resources out there, right? Yeah. Like listen to the podcast, Every coach has a free download, has a free workbook, whatever it is, right? Soak up those free work resources, decide who's the right person for you, and then go for it. Like investing in yourself is the single best thing you could possibly do. You have one life, like go for it. If you have to take out another credit card, like don't, don't, you know, obviously you have to mix around some things in life. Like maybe Mm -hmm. you have to start cooking more instead of eating out all the time. Maybe you have to put a hiatus on any shopping, like for a couple months or a year, however long you're focusing. But it's kind of like what you focus on, what you put your attention on is what's going to grow in your life. Um, You get a lot of people, kind of what I was getting at underneath it is that you get a lot of people, in my experience, from those that I've coached, it's surprising the amount of people that I've coached who have already had a coach. Oh, cool. I think there's a barrier to entry that like people get a coach Right. There's a lot of people who just go, I'm not going to get a coach right. no matter what. Doesn't matter. But if you can really lower the barrier to entry where it's like, just get one, they're going to get right. another because they'll get some value out of it. Yeah. And then they'll move up the ladder through it. Um, I do totally yeah. agree with you. You get what you pay for and you get the experts you pay for. Um, and interesting point on just like the coaching versus therapy. I think one of the fundamental differences I've noticed is that therapy is very useful. It's great to get a chance to talk through your problems. I think one of the fundamental things that a coach needs to do is to call you out on your shit and go, you're giving me a bullshit story right now. What do you actually feel? What do you, what were you actually feeling when you ate that whole cheesecake? Cause you're telling me that you just ate it because you had a hard day, but what were you actually feeling? Were you feeling sad because you felt alone from your hard day? What were you, what was really going on underneath? I think a lot of times therapy misses that part of it yeah, for good reason, because they don't want to give prescriptive advice and say, Hey, you shouldn't do that. But that's where coaching kind of comes into play and an effective coach. That's one of the things I look for is like, are they willing to have an uncomfortable conversation with you? Yeah. 
Well, that's the thing. It's like, I don't need you to like me. Right. But I need you to, but I, but I care about your results. Right. However, I've, I've never really had an experience where someone didn't like me because yeah. I think I got into this field because I love people and I love, yeah. um, I've always been like a people person and, and a people lover, but, um, Oh, she was. Oh, so the other thing is like, uh, for me, like therapy felt very, very in a container, right? Like I see you for 45 minutes once a week or once every other week. And then I leave and it's like all up to me. Right. And I feel like what's great about coaching is I am always in contact with my clients, like via Voxer, which is an amazing voice noting app. It's like a walkie talkie kind of thing. But with coaching, it's like, this is a six week program. This is a six month program. Like I'm committed to you seeing huge results within that time frame, And and obviously that starts with you being committed. I can't, like you can bring a horse to water, but like you, you're the one doing the work. I'm showing you the work. Right. Exactly. It's really cool to like, like you said, for someone to say like, I got home and I dove into a bag of donuts and they can boxer me and be like, this is what's going on right now. Mm -hmm. And I can be like, Hey, like, let's go back to what we talked about last session and get into that work right now yeah. in the moment. Um, and that's where like changing your triggers really happen. And th- I always say that, like my clients always say like, I hear your voice all the time in like a nice way. Like they're like, when right. we stop working together or even during the work, they're like, what would Natalie tell me to do right now? And that's like an interesting gateway to your own intuition because it's never like, what would I do? It's how would I, like, what question would I ask you? Right. So with the donuts, it's like, okay, what are you really craving in that moment? Like, mm-hmm. what, first of all, if you had a really stressful day, like you're probably in pleasure deficiency and we as humans need a certain amount of pleasure to be, mm-hmm. feel safe. Like yep. going back to that feeling, like we always want to feel safe. Right. And pleasure equals relaxation. So if you've been like cranking all day long, and maybe you skipped lunch or maybe you had a like cold, gross wrap for lunch. Right. Um, and you come home like, hell yeah, you're going to be craving pleasure. And if food is your cheap, fast, quick way to get it. Yep. Yeah. Right. So we need to like work on your pleasure deficiency. And guess what? That's fucking fun. Like yeah. working with a nutritionist or working with a coach, that's going to be like, here's how many calories you need. Here's how many grams of protein. Like that's not fucking fun. Okay. I'm here Sterilized, to make it more like- fun. Yeah. And like increase your life, right? Not decrease, make your life smaller. Like what you can and can't eat. It's actually like, Hey, you can eat anything, but like, what do you really want? And how can you give it to you? So that it feels really, really good. And I've been working so much around pleasure recently because it's just such a, especially in New York city, but I think everywhere now because of how fast paced like life is and pleasure is like in the slow, like, we cannot be in fight or flight and experience pleasure. And we're all stuck in this like really fast stress response to everything. So that's one of the biggest challenges right now. I feel like for women with food is like getting into like your feminine is your slowness. And by the way, when I say feminine, like we all have both, right? We all have feminine masculine energy, men and women. Usually there's an imbalance of masculine energy um, in anyone that has an imbalance in their life, whether that's a hormone imbalance, a food relationship imbalance, whatever's going on. Um, usually it's because there's a little too much masculine going on in that. And that means like rigid rules and structure and needing to things to be perfect and needing to be, um, yeah, major control, um, dichotomous thinking, like this is good, this is bad. Um, just really holding yourself to a really high standard, like needing to pump out X amount of hours of work every day. And, um, and then that will come out like your feminine will be like, I need pleasure. I need, right. 
I need enjoyment. Yep. And so you'll dive into don'ts, but you'll just feel worse about yourself. So exactly. I help you figure out how to do that in a way that feels really yummy and good and, and fun and easy. So all of this work leads to like easier. It doesn't lead to more rules and more regulations. Right. In your life. It actually leads to more ease and just flow. Which is what I've noticed like personally for me with my diet, what I eat as general, it kind of, when I try to get so strict with it is when it really just like, I can hack it for two weeks, it'll be fine. But after that, it falls apart. When I just have 10 meals that I enjoy and I just kind of say, okay, these are the 10 meals I'm going to cook. And I really enjoy the crap out of them. And once in a while, I'm going to have a cheat day. And I allow myself a little more flexibility, even just like a small amount more flexibility, the flexibility to not go, all right, I'm having chicken broccoli every day this week, but to go, all right, instead of chicken broccoli today, I'm going to have whatever, you know, that I'm going to make. And that allows me to actually respond to my day within the bounds of what I've experienced. Cause it's, Mm -hmm. I mean, if you're expecting to have the same day every day and have the same craving at the end of the day, then it's just going to happen. I mean, it might be controversial to say this, but again, like, I don't really care. Um, Men and women have a completely different relationship to food. And it's much easier for men to follow a structure. But because of the, like, because of hormones, you guys have more testosterone. Like, that brings more masculine energy. And that's a good thing. Like, you guys, like, and this is obviously generalizing, Mm -hmm. right? People that's going to, and there are men that feel like they're not men inside. And so they might be following more women's protocol, right? But on so average. Are, yeah. If you are like a cis male and you feel like you, like, like there's a, there's some, there's a goal that you have following a rigid um, diet plan comes way, way easier mm-hmm. and is actually can be beneficial. Same for working out, like having those high intensity, um, you know, month long, like stable workouts for right. a man is much more beneficial than for a woman where we have four stages in a month of our hormones, right? Like I'm about to get my period. I'm doing a completely different workout than I would be doing when I'm ovulating. And you can also see that in my Instagram. Like I'm like, I'm ovulating my energy super high right now. I'm dancing everywhere. I'm, you know, I'm feeling really out. Like I want to give my energy outward. I want to, that's when you want to um, like have any presentations, any important meetings, any podcast interviews, like, you want to really be doing that when you're in that high energy state. Obviously there's things like matcha that can help get you there wherever you are. Right. But I'm really cognizant of creating my life in flow and myself the space to, to say like, Oh, this week I'm going to be taking things a lot more easy and I'm going to be staying in bed until 10 AM and I'm going to be doing yoga instead of hit or whatever it is. Right. right? For men. And and this is really important for people in partnership and in relationship. Don't go to the same person. Like yep. so many women come to me and they're like, my husband did so well on this diet and working with this trainer. I'm falling I, apart. I feel so bad. Like I yeah. gained weight with them, you know, and I'm like, yeah, cause like you're not fucking a man. Like yeah, no doubt. It's really important to not necessarily like not assume that what works for someone else, yeah. especially men versus women. And we're in a stage right now where everything's like really sensitive and it's all about equality, but it's not like we are different. Yes. We deserve the same freedom to choose. Like we all should be able to choose if I want to like work out 30 days in a row of doing cardio. Right. 
But, and that last year, funny enough, last year I did a 30 day like cardio challenge mm-hmm. and by day 14, my body was like, stop. What the right, fuck? Falling apart. Like, oh shit, I thought this is yeah. supposed to be good for me. <laughs> and to your point of like not having an ego around it, cause I was doing it on Instagram and like having people do it with me. I was like, guys, I made a mistake. Like I fucked up. <laughs> I totally forgot about the fact that I'm a woman and I have a cycle and during my period, pushing myself in this way isn't feeling right. good. So I just, just 10 days were fine. And yeah, then I was about it. I was just like, this was cool to try, but guess yeah. what? I totally realized. And that's when I dove into like reading more articles and literature about the cycle, because I felt like there was something really important that I was missing that I wanted to be able to speak on. And, um, woman code is an amazing book for anyone okay. curious about learning more about why you might be having really bad periods or if you have PCOS or endo or any kind of hormonal issues called woman code okay. by Lisa Vitti. Um, and that really changed my life in relationship to my hormones. And That's awesome. I think that like, like you said, everything's related. So if you're having an imbalance in one area, it's going to show up in another. Um, and I think specifically for women, cause I know there's so many women who are on birth control and who have difficulty with their periods and now difficulty getting pregnant and it's really, really important to educate yourself on your body and on yeah. how our cycle works and how we are living in a world that was created by a different hormonal profile than ours. Like right. we are living in a world that was created by men in terms of the industrial world and the work yep. we get, all that stuff. And so there's a lot of guilt of like, I need to be here as late as everyone else. I need right. to be working as much as everyone else. And you know what? what do you have to prove? Like, stop right. trying to, like, we need to take care of our health so that we can wake up in the morning and guess what? Like we grow life in our body. Like well, my, an important distinction there. And I think it, it's a super important distinction. My girlfriend had a wonderful point about this. Just a while ago, we were talking about this, but what you just said triggered that memory that the feminine magic is its own magic and it's just as important as the masculine magic. They are different and you know, it is a spectrum, but 99% of people are closer to one end than the other. Mm -hmm. And our society undervalues the feminine magic Mm -hmm. by a long shot. And that's the inequality that we see is that we don't value some of the same things. I mean, if you look at certain professions like teachers, predominantly women, healthcare, you know, nurses, predominantly women, but we don't value those things as much as some of the male dominated professions. So it's maybe not a, that we need to wipe the slate clean and make everything exactly equal, but it's that we need to start to value some of these things that are just super undervalued. Um, I think the other thing you said that I really loved is that you've just increased your understanding of your body and your period and your cycle. And the beautiful thing about what that does is that it takes away the judgment and it takes away the self blame that you're probably experiencing for forever before that. We're like, Oh my God, fucking once a month, Natalie can't get it together. Oh, I'm just a piece of shit. Once a month. What yeah, the hell? Totally. Like, you get the understanding and then you're like, Oh, now I know to not try to do my high intensity interval training yeah. halfway through the month. Cause that's what I have. My pe- it doesn't make oh sense. God. It's so true. It's all perspective. And there are some talking about superpowers. Like there are some amazing superpowers that come with understanding and working in your flow. Like during your period is when the time between your left brain and your right brain, the passageway is really open. Hmm. So like having some really good journaling time to like let out what might be going on in your life and 
like bigger solution thinking can happen during your period. Again, like I said, knowing when you're ovulating and being able to schedule things around that has been so cool for me. Like travel, I really try and schedule around that time. And I'm like, I feel so differently than when I'm just like, oh shit, I'm getting my period the day before I leave for this trip, right? right? So there's a lot of magic to be had when you understand something. Same with your brain as it relates to food. Like when I, now that I understand what, what it means to have a craving for something that I know I don't actually quote unquote want, or that I know is not going to make me feel good afterwards, it's an amazing clue to what I need more of or less of, right? So it leads me to be able to ask questions when at 10 PM I'm craving chocolate. It's like, mm-hmm. well, what's going on here? Like, what are you really craving and what's happening in your body and what imbalances are going on? And I ask it with no judgment, just out of curiosity. And that's the other biggest shift that I think um, I try and like get everyone who does my work to get really quickly is getting out of a judgment mind and into a curious mind. Yeah. That's everything in life. Absolutely. I think, uh, I mean, the simple, it, it's two components. The simple example would be like, oh, you're craving chips. It's like, well, what are you really craving? You're probably craving salt. You probably have a deficiency, but it could also be an emotional component. I had this recently. Mm-hmm. So I was at work. I just left my job. So this is exciting. First podcast since having no job. So Woo! I'm like, whew, here we go. But I was at that job and I was the manager of a company, basically just overseeing a lot of people. And one of the things I noticed was any of the times where I had to have a difficult conversation with someone, whether that was someone had to be fired because they had had multiple offenses before that, or they had, you know, whatever was going on, a difficult conversation I had to sit down and have, Mm -hmm. I would always have a bad food reaction nearly right after that, where I'd kind of go and just get whatever junk. Yeah. I did exactly what you're talking about. I simply asked myself and was like, okay, what's really going on here? Like, what's the, I know that's my trigger, which is the first step. I've got it identified. What's really going on here? And what came up was just this from my childhood, wanting to be loved so badly that when I had to have a difficult conversation with someone, I would feel like maybe they wouldn't love me now. And so then that caused a reaction to like, all right, let me, my body's going to scream out to get me into a homeostasis where I can just guarantee a feeling because of some food that I ate, because I'm feeling uneasy about this other thing. It's like that insight just totally changed the way I interacted with that situation. I mean, I can't tell you how common that issue is. Mm -hmm. And like, love love is safety right because if we were in a tribe and like back then when we were in cavemen right like if we weren't loved then maybe we would be left to die like or left alone or not protected or fed or whatever it was right so we have not evolved past that brain like we really have not and so to be able to recognize like hey like someone not liking you or someone being mad at you or whatever it is is not actually going to do anything to your safety. Mm-hmm. That is a huge, huge, huge realization to have. And, and it brings so much power and relief, but yeah. we are so stuck in that cycle of thinking like, if I get a, a stressed out text from a family member or a friend or an email from a boss, if I don't fix it and make sure that I'm loved, right. I'm safe right away. Um, it's really hard. It's really hard on us. So finding that safety and that love within 
is one of the most powerful things you can do because it makes you rock solid for mm -hmm. any of that other stuff that's going on. Like I would say 90% of the bullshit yeah. that goes on. Obviously you're always going to have bigger things that rock you. And it's not about not feeling those things, but it's about always knowing how to feel safe inside so that everything external feels like a real easy choice, not a shit. I don't feel safe. I better grab, like, I better grab some pizza, you know? And, or I really don't feel safe. I got to go like buy shit. Like a lot of people, maybe not, it's not food, but it's like shopping mm -hmm. or, um, you know, or drinking or smoking or drugs. Right. So all those things are fine to do. It's just about how you're choosing to do them and when. Yeah. And I think there's a quote and I'm going to butcher this quote, but I'll, you'll get the gist of it. And I can't remember who said it, but it is a beautiful, a beautiful thought process. That's like every, every negative habit you have is a coping mechanism. Yeah. And those coping mechanisms, when you developed them, yeah, were sense. good solutions yeah. at the time that you developed them, but they may not be serving you anymore. What I think it's really amazing about that quote is it takes away some of the judgment. It's not like, oh, you piece of shit. You're fucking. Well, there's a really good reason why we binge. There's a really good reason why we drink. There's a real, always a really good reason. It's about finding the reason and making sure it's still a good reason now. Yeah. And then you can let go of it and you can release it and go, okay, that was serving old Alex. Yeah. Great. I've moved beyond that. I've gotten through the trauma. I've gotten through the issue that happened. And now I've moved into the space where I can find my new coping mechanism. And maybe it'll be something healthy or positive this time. Totally. Love that. Yeah. I, that was one that hit home for me. Um, cool. Well, we're getting close to the end here. I've got a couple more things I'm curious about. So as many pieces of advice as you want, I won't put an arbitrary number to it, but if you had to help someone sort out the first couple of steps, yeah. your area of expertise, what would you kind of run them through? So if you're struggling with binge eating, the first thing that I would ask anyone to do is to write a letter from your mind to your body and then from your body back to your mind. And that just starts opening up the communication because mm. we're so our head is also where the masculine lives. Right. And so we're so in our head when it comes to eating and our bodies that we're really, you know, there's a saying of like, if you want to go somewhere, you have to get in the car, right? So if you want to go somewhere new with your body and with food, you have to get in your body right. to, to drive it somewhere new. And a really great first way to do that is to write this letter and open up the communication and you will be shocked to find out what is going on. Like you right. will be shocked at what comes out when you do this exercise. So I always start with that. Um, and it's a beautiful, beautiful exercise to yeah. do. I like that a lot. Then, um, the next thing I would do was like, give yourself the gift of time. Like, don't expect there's all these, you know, we're, we're, we're really trained to rush and to want ex results quickly. Seven days to lose 10 pounds, three like things to avoid eating. Like it's like quick listicle stuff, right? Give yourself the gift of like, Hey, this could take me some time to change this habit. And so I'm going to be curious about it and I'm going to allow whatever comes to come up. And I'm going to know that I'm like on the right path just by setting this intention to get to know myself better and understand my triggers and my tendencies better, right? So like take the pressure off yourself because right. pressure is always, if you're like, I have to do this by this date, mm -hmm. it's like never going to be long-term long-standing. So it's just about every day being in the present and letting it like come and go. Um, and I'll keep it short. I'll keep it to three. So the third thing I would say 
is to bring about more joy and presence in your life. So usually, again, when you're having this imbalance with food, it's because you're in your head too much. You're in your masculine. Mm-hmm. So bringing in t- like ways to cultivate your feminine is dancing around, moving your hips, mm-hmm. putting on music. I love to like put on music that matches your emotion. Sure. So- you're like feeling emo, put on emo. If you're feeling poppy, like put on pop, whatever it is. If you're angry, like put on metal, whatever. And just kind of like let the emotion digest through your body. And that will be really, really helpful, especially if it's like after work and you're having cravings. Just give yourself the, don't don't say like, you can't eat this. It's just give yourself the opportunity to work through it in your body first. And then you'll enjoy the food way better afterwards. So yeah. So write the letter between, you know, dear, dear body from your mind, then dear mind from your body, give yourself the gift of time and take the pressure off. And then the third one is try and drop into your body and your feminine as much as you can. Um, whenever you're feeling cravings around food, and that might just be like mid binge, like, Oh my God, I'm in a trance. I'm binging just midway through the chicken strip. Yeah. Just acknowledge to yourself, oh my gosh, I am binging from my head right now. And like drop into your body, put one hand on your like womb space, one hand on your heart, or if you're a guy, put on your belly, whatever, and start taking some deep breaths and being like, where am I feeling the stress in my body? Is it like a tightness in my chest? Is it um, like, is it in the back of my neck? Like what's going on here? Yeah. How can I actually nourish you instead of like fuel you instead of fill you? Like you're trying to fill this feeling up, numb this feeling out. But what do you really need? Maybe you just need to like lay down and take 10 deep breaths. And mm-hmm. it sounds so crazy because we love like complicated answers yeah. things, but usually it's just about being present with yourself a little bit more and taking some breaths to get into your body. Right. Um, and I think if you do those three things, you're on a really good, like you're on a really good path. Yeah, so it's yeah. really not that it's never, it's simple, but it's not easy. Right. Exactly. And I think the, day to day it's like the more you craft awareness into yourself everything gets better because you start to you start to be able to observe your mind sort of from behind yourself and you can look at yourself and go oh look the alex is making this decision because he's this because he's sad right now and the more you see that the more you start to it's one of the reasons i love journaling so much because you can look back on like a year's worth of journal and you can identify patterns and you're like oh that's what was go duh i should have seen it then but now i can see it with this perspective and you're kind of talking about the same thing of just like building in that awareness taking a second to pause and go okay why am i why am i balls deep in this pizza right now what's going on yeah totally and i actually have a, a totally free guide speaking of free guides on my website that's a guide to relieving stress and stress eating awesome and- want more tips like there's it's five step guide so very like digestible Um, and it's really beautiful too so it's fun to look at so if you want some like more helpful tips on stress eating definitely go there it's like you know totally free just um it's like a pop-up on my website or if you go to the link in my instagram um the like link in bio it'll take you there and that should be like some really good things to get you started in dealing with stress eating yeah, absolutely. So yeah, go ahead and share all your Instagram website. Where can people find you? Where can people get more of this information and work with you? Yeah, super simple. My Instagram handle is just my name at Natalie Zices. So N-A-T-A-L-I-E, 
Z-I-S-E-S. And from there, you can get my website, you can get the stressing guide. So I would just recommend going on Instagram. If you don't have Instagram, um, you can just head to my website, which is also just my name, nataliesices.com. And uh, I also have some great blog posts on there if that's what you're into. Um, but if you're into more bite-sized short videos, obviously Instagram is the way to go. Lots of great stuff saved on there, IGTV yeah. things. And yeah, always talking about this stuff there. Hell yeah, I love it. And uh, last thing, one thing I'm trying to craft within myself is a little bit more of a ha habit of gratitude. So I just want to express my gratefulness that you're on here with me today and just the way you show up with your unapologetically working, I mean, specifically with women, I think that's awesome. And I think it's way underrated. I think it's a, it's a thing that just makes what you're doing so much more powerful because you've gotten deep on this specific group of people and that's going to make you the biggest impact that you can have. So I just think that's a really beautiful thing. I'm super grateful to be on here too. And I love how like serendipitous life is that yeah. uh, we ended up here doing this. So yeah, absolutely. Cool. Well, that's it for today. So right on. That's it, everyone. Wasn't that a great episode? I hope you learned as much as I did on that one. If you don't already have my podcast subscribed to on whatever your podcast player of choice is, please hit that subscribe button. It really helps out and give me a five-star rating if you enjoyed the episode. If you're watching on YouTube, like, comment, subscribe really helps the channel grow and helps get all of this useful information out to more people. And if you don't already follow me on Instagram, you can go follow me there at Alexander Diesel. But yeah, thanks again for listening and tuning in. I really enjoyed this one, and I hope you got as much out of it as I did.